Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Joanna Norris and hearing more about her career journey. Joanna started her career as a journalist, working here in New Zealand, including as chief reporter for the press, before having a stint overseas, working in both Abu Dhabi and the UK. On a return to New Zealand, Joanna took on the role of digital editor for the Dominion Post before returning to the press in 2012 in Christchurch as editor, the first woman to ever take on this post. A couple of years later, alongside her press role, she also took on the role of South Island Editor-in-Chief for Fairfax Media. In 2017, Joanna made a really interesting career move, taking on the role of CEO of Christchurch NZ, the newly created Economic Development and Promotion Agency for the Christchurch region. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her career journey today. Kia ora, Joanna, and thank you very much for joining me. Kia ora, Anna. It's lovely to be here. Wonderful. So the first question that I would love to ask you is, if you think back to when you were a child or when you were even a teenager, what careers did you think about or dream about? It's really interesting. I've never really been a person who's hugely been driven by career ambitions. I've tended to follow a path based on my instincts at any given time. And certainly my family were very much about lifestyle and about living uh, good values and sustainable values and didn't ever place a high premium on careers. But what they did do was place a, a really heavy emphasis on education. And I was the first person in my family to graduate from university. And my parents were really supportive in terms of making sure that my brother and I were able to actually engage in education and do the things we wanted to do, but without the pressure of um, actually having set career goals. Mm. But that said, as a kid, I loved music and I played um, the violin right through school and at university. And I had in my head at one time a desire to be a music teacher so that I could have a professional life as a musician. But I didn't ever turn out to be quite good enough at the violin to realise that ambition and um, a few other opportunities came up along the way. Really interesting. And so many of us learn an instrument, but to stick with that through high school, through university even, I guess that's the nice thing about music. It can equally stay with you throughout your, your life without needing to have it as a career. Yeah, that's right. And that's um, possibly a nice way to do it in many ways is to make it a hobby rather than a job. Yes, yes. It uh, keeps the joy in it, keeps the fun in it. And then if I'm right, I think you then made the path or made the choice to actually study towards journalism as, as more of a career option. Yeah, that's right. So I was studying um, a Bachelor of Music and a performance violin, and I had a quite a disruptive event happen early on in my university life where I was studying alongside uh, a young man called David Bain, who um, has, is now infamous in New Zealand. And when David's family were murdered, um, that created quite a disruption in terms of my association with the course and studying in Dunedin. So at that time, I made the decision to move to Auckland University and completed my Bachelor my undergraduate degree in English and history and that then went on to a postgraduate diploma in journalism. So it took quite a different path as a consequence of that event. 
Isn't it interesting how some of those sudden changes that you never expected to happen actually yeah. may lead you on a on quite a different path. Yeah. And it must be really interesting actually for you to look back now and see that path that you've followed as a as not sure as a result, but from having made that shift. Well, I think what's really interesting about that is the ripple effects of events such as that that become part of a New Zealand narrative. Um, they can be much broader than just the immediate impacts on those directly affected, but we see that in response to some of the tragic events that we've experienced here in Christchurch as well. Mm, that was exactly what I was thinking, even from the earthquakes, <laughs> from the mosque shootings, from the those right. impacts that will have had on people's lives and their families, yeah. children, and, and the potential changing paths as a result. Tell me then about some of the highlights and challenges of the first few years of your working career. Oh, it's really interesting. I started out in, as a, a young journalist for the Dominion in Wellington, and that was before it was the Dominion Post. And I was very lucky to be able to get a job on a major daily broadsheet at that time. That was quite unusual coming out of journalism school to have that opportunity. And I distinctly remember I was flatting in Karori and I was catching the bus one morning down to work. And there was a guy, a businessman, who was really well attired and he looked serious and grown up. And I was just this young kid, really. And he was reading a story that I had written in the newspaper. And I was just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is such an awesome responsibility where we're shaping the things and the opinions that people form and the knowledge that they have about the world by the stories that we tell. And as a young, you know, very young journalist, seeing the impact of what you do and the way that it can reach out into people's lives, that moment's always stuck with me. And I still believe really profoundly in the importance of journalism in a society and of good journalism in particular, and the importance of storytelling more generally in the narratives that we shape about ourselves as a society. It must be interesting, so interesting for you to see how journalism has changed and shifted through the digital piece, through to more of the storytelling that now goes on through social media, which may not necessarily be as different sort of narratives and, and may not always be the, the truth of what's going on. That's exactly right. Disruption um, in the media is now really well understood. But of course, when you're living through it, and when I started my career as a journalist, we didn't even have email. And, um, you know, we eventually in the Dominion newsroom, we had one computer terminal that had this thing called email on it. And we all had to share a single address. And now, of course, we're communicating with each other in real time all of the time across a multitude of digital platforms. So to experience that within a single career is, is really amazing to have gone through. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I'd like to start first of all with getting that journey, if you'd be able to share it, to taking on the editor role at the press. Yeah, so I worked, as I said, um, at the Dominion and then eventually after a, a couple of years, my boyfriend and I decided to move overseas and he's now my husband and we moved across to uh, the UK where we worked for a number of years for different publications in the UK and then in 2001 we returned to New Zealand at about the same time as the Twin Towers fell. And again, these sort of really incredible stories that were happening in our lifetime were, were happening around us and they, they started to resonate through everybody's lives and being part of the media at that time was really interesting to be telling those stories. And then moved back to New Zealand. Was I spent some time in Dunedin because my father was unwell and we spent some time making the most of spending some time with my dad in Dunedin. Then eventually moved to Christchurch 
for a role at the press, uh, eventually became chief reporter here. Very briefly, then moved back overseas to Abu Dhabi. We were involved in this incredible project, setting up a newspaper in the Middle East and opening up coverage of parliament and working with journalists around the world to really start to develop a different journalism model in Abu Dhabi. And that was a really exciting project to be involved in. I eventually found my way um, back to New Zealand um, and was working again at the Dominion Post and was heavily involved in the development of the Dominion Post website and the environments that became eventually part of Stuff. And then I got asked to come down to Christchurch uh, to take up the editorship here in Christchurch. And it was in the year immediately following the quakes. And again, that opportunity to tell this incredible story, really what I, what I hope will be a once-in-a-lifetime story, a once-in-a-generation story about the rebuild of a city and the response of our population to that has been just such an incredible privilege. So that's how I ended up here in Christchurch. And here I am still with our family and very much now rooted in the Christchurch and Canterbury communities. And in the introduction, as I said, it was you were the first female editor of the press. Not that gender necessarily has to make any difference to your ability to do the role, but in terms of history and, and I guess pioneering and opening the door, therefore, for other women to take on those senior leadership roles. Coming through journalism, what have been some of the, the maybe the challenges and obstacles that you may have faced as a, as a woman along the way? Yeah, it was really interesting when I was appointed, the press itself did a story about my appointment and the headline was first female editor of the press. Mm-hmm. And I was really um, embarrassed and sort of astonished that was the newsworthy bit about my appointment. But at that time, and that was quite a long time ago now, it was newsworthy and it was interesting to the community that uh, a young woman had been appointed to lead this quite traditional institution here in Christchurch. And also at that time, the leadership cohort in Christchurch was really male-dominated because we were about to enter the rebuild. Uh, a lot of the senior leadership roles in the community were held by men who had who were associated with some of those traditional male industries, engineering and construction. And I, I just distinctly remember going into networking events and being the only woman in, in the room. And it was all quite terrifying at the time. And I was often quite a lot younger than many of the other people as well. I was in my mid-30s at that time. And uh, I did find that really challenging. And I oft- I remember taking deep breaths and walking into the room, steering myself to engage in these conversations with people who were quite different than me and quite different, had different life experiences. And there were a few moments hiding in the toilets while I steeled myself to walk back out into these rooms. <laughs> I can imagine. And it wasn't all that long ago that you you were walking into those scenarios. And for many women still in quite male-dominated industries, that that is sometimes even their day-to-day reality. You talked about stealing yourself, but how else did you cope with having to work at times in, in that environment? Look, I wish I had really good advice on this. Very early on, I knew that I had a choice and I could either be terrified by these scenarios or I could make a choice not to be. And I made that choice. I, I distinctly remember saying to myself, you can either be nervous or you can't, and I choose not to be. And uh, since that day, I, I, one of the very early things I had to do was speak to a very large group of business people, around, it was around 1,800 people, get up and talk about the press and my role. And I was terrified leading into it. I hadn't done much public speaking, and here I was speaking to a big group of people who knew each other and were well-networked. 
And I said, I'm just not going to be nervous. And I wasn't. And ever since that day, I now don't experience nerves public speaking uh, because I made a choice. I like that you've talked about it as a choice and almost not letting the situation control you, but in feeling many ways more in control of the situation and of your own response to it, which is great. Yeah, that said, of course, there are always times when you're terrified. So I'm not for a minute saying that we've always got the choice to make the choice, but for some reason... I was able to, and I did, and here I am. <laughs> mm, I think recognising for many women that actually having some of those doubts or, or being a bit terrified sometimes of having those fears is okay, that actually you don't need to feel confident and on top of things all the time, that yeah. you just need to have the courage <laughs> to step into those situations and instead of kind of always feeling like you're on top of it. And it must be really then interesting for you now to see the landscape of Christchurch and actually very many leadership roles in the area now held by women. It's just so different. I reflect on it a lot, what changed, and I, I it's partly coincidence, but I think it's also partly we're in a different era in Christchurch now where we are still building things. It's still the, the rebuild is still progressing, but there's another set of skills that's required now, and that really is about collaboration. It's about working together as a community to drive shared aspiration. And so I think it just requires a slightly different leadership set than that early cohort who did an incredible job getting the building blocks of our rebuilt city in place. But you can only be in those roles for so long before it is time to hand over and to get a fresh set of eyes. And that's opened the door for a different type of leader. Yeah, really interesting. And then I guess that brings me to then your next career move, which was to take on the CEO role of Christchurch NZ. What kind of prompted that change or what appealed about that role to you? I think what appealed was through my role as editor of the press, I had become really invested in Christchurch and its future. And I was faced with the choice of needing to make my next move in my career. And the choice was really, do I move back to Wellington or Auckland and take another role in media? Or do I remain committed to Christchurch and Canterbury? And this role presented an opportunity to work from the inside of uh, government, effectively, so local government, and to actually get my hands on some of the levers that you don't as an observer, which you naturally are as a journalist. So I was really daunted by the possibilities, but then I thought, well, look, if I'm observed and commentated from the sidelines through my role as a journalist and editor, now it's actually time to really step forward. And do I have the conviction to actually work on behalf of the community in quite a different way? And so here I am. And it was quite a change for you? I mean, I guess there's still that strong element of communication in your role, but at the same time, (laughs) in terms of the, it's out of the world of, as you say, from media and into more of local government, how was those first months making that quite a career shift? Really good in many ways, because as you say, there are, there is a similar skill set in terms of this is a leadership role and a previous role and clear communication and the ability to communicate complex ideas simply. And that's required of this role. What was interesting though is poacher turned gamekeeper type of scenario when I sat down with the councillors for the first time and they had known me as a commentator, as a critic, as a journalist. And here I was now in the tent. And so I needed to redefine my relationship with the local leadership and um, that took some time for people to learn that they could trust me in this new role that I had a different skill set that I could offer that wasn't um, simply that commentator and observer. 
It's interesting having spoken to somebody else who is a journalist by background and she said for a while there when she'd tell people what do you do and she said I'm a journalist and they'd go either go oh or that's really interesting (laughs) and the oh was usually oh you know what if I say something they might report on and I don't want to give myself away. There is that therefore as you say that kind of rebuilding of of trust. Yeah for quite a long time people would say oh that's off the record. (laughs) Yeah, of course it is, because I'm in a different job now. But that said, I hope I've been able to, in some ways, bridge the gap and build trust between local leaders, local government and the media by really encouraging people to understand that the media is there to protect society and to build a stronger, safer society. And the better you engage with local journalists and provide local journalists with good information, then the better they are able to do their job. The advice I always give to my colleagues is the better the information you put in, the better the result that will come out. And that's all about building strong, trusting relationships with the media. So I hope in some ways I've been able to play a role in in, um, building trust and bridging a gap. Yes, I'm sure. And what do you really love about your current work? Oh, gosh, I love New Zealand and I love the role that Christchurch and Canterbury play in New Zealand. I love the fact that we've been able to rebuild a really exciting and energised city and attract people like yourself back here who want to participate in the community and in our new city and also continue to build exciting lives for people here. And I firmly believe that people who choose to live outside of Auckland and Wellington should have the access to the same opportunities as those who live in those two big centres. And 1.2 million Kiwis live in the South Island and I want to build really exciting career paths for those people and make sure that they can have meaningful lives and fully participate in the New Zealand economy. Mm. That is, I just I'm really proud of what we do at Christchurch NZ to sustain prosperity here. It's so important for the future of our country. I'm Christchurch born and bred, so I'm biased, obviously. But, but for me, <laughs> it's been, it has been wonderful to come home. And I, I think, probably to be honest, it would be happen wherever you are in New Zealand. But just be reminded, particularly of the wonderful natural resources that we have on our, our back doors, alongside just the friendliness and openness of the, the people that are here. It's, um, for, for me, that's been really just so heartwarming to see. Oh, that's so neat, and you're really selling the dream. Likewise. <laughs> I mean, I likewise, I, I, I moved moved here as an adult. We made that choice as a family. And this morning when I was driving into work, and I was, the, there was fresh snow on the mountains, and the mountains felt like they were right there, you know, right almost in the central city. And I thought, this is awesome. This is just such a great place to have this type of lifestyle. And, yeah, to be driving to a job I love. So pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And I'm guessing along the way, though, there's, as you've gone through your career, there have probably been some wonderful highs and great moments, but also been some tougher times. What have been, as you look back, what have been some of the toughest career challenges or moments? I I think I'm very fortunate not to have suffered real hardship in my life. And I just, I think about all of the very sad stories I have seen over the years, um, both here in New Zealand and overseas. And I've sat down with oftentimes people who are recently bereaved and they're facing shocking tragedies in their lives. And I, I really don't have anything to complain about in that context. So the challenges, I've had the same challenges as any woman who is pioneering in terms of moving into to careers that are dominated by people who don't look like her. I have experienced sexism over the years or those types of things. But honestly, I just think there are so many people who have suffered such genuine hardship. I, I have very little to complain about. 
And I guess that perspective coming from the stories that you have told is a really Mm -hmm. interesting one. You did say that you have experienced some sexism along the way. How have you coped with that? I mean, some of it is more apparent than others. There are times when people touch you in ways that aren't appropriate. There have been things that people have said. I remember when I took over at the press and Someone wrote to me and said, what next? She'll turn it into the Women's Weekly. Silly stuff like that. Most of the time, I just don't let it touch the sides and I surround myself with the people who, whose values I, I associate with and who just genuinely want to make our community better. I don't listen to those who want to take people down. I just don't see any, there's nothing to be gained from that. And that's probably good advice for others as well who, who might be experiencing yeah. similar circumstances. And if I turn it around then onto the, I guess, the more positive side, as you look back in your career, what are some of your proudest moments? I think there are many things that I'm proud of. But the the thing I'd get the most pleasure out of is creating pathways for other people and helping others see that they too can play leadership roles in our community and making sure that I make it as easy as possible for the people around me to do their jobs well. So I've always endeavoured to make sure that whether it's the journalists I'm supporting or here in the Economic Development Agency, I'm constantly talking to my teams about what they need to make their lives easier and to enable them to achieve our collective ambitions. So I'm really proud of team building, both across my previous roles in media and then more recently here at Christchurch NZ, building a team, building an agency, and setting a very clear ambition for this agency that we are about igniting bold ambition for Christchurch and Canterbury, and helping people realise that vision is uh, the things I'm proudest of. Great. At the same time, I guess there's, in more recent times, that vision for Christchurch and Canterbury, not necessarily that the vision has changed, but probably the way that 2020 looked um, is rather different from how <laughs> you had maybe, I, I read, and when I was preparing for this, I read a piece, I think, that you'd written in January about all the, you know, wonderful events that were coming to Christchurch, oh and of course, the <laughs> Tapaya Convention Centre coming online and all these amazing things, and you go, well, 2020, it's been a, it's been a different year to, to what we'd, we'd quite planned and hoped. How have yeah. you you yourself and how have you helped others cope through that uncertainty and that transition? Yeah, so COVID was obviously somewhat surprising to all of us. And as you say, we had started um, at the end of 2019, we were very much talking about being 2020 being our year. It was the year when a lot of our um, hopes and, and the things that we were planning for were going to be realised. But what hasn't changed, I mean, COVID has taken us back and it has impacted the New Zealand economy. But what hasn't changed is our aspiration. We absolutely still are about driving prosperity for this region and in turn supporting New Zealand prosperity. It's just the start line's in a slightly different place now. How have I coped? I found lockdown really challenging. I've talked to a team a lot about this and that we were physically isolated from one another and I found not being able to see people and see the reactions on their faces and hug them and give people that kind of that support that you would normally you get from proximity. I found that really challenging. But others didn't. Others were quite happy working in isolation but communicating via digital technology, recognising that everybody operates differently and but continuing to reinforce people that our mission remains the same. We are absolutely about continuing to ignite bold ambition for this region and continuing to keep people steadfast in in the hope that we can achieve that. Uh, So still having that kind of long-term vision, but as you said, recognising that the way people might cope through that might be different depending on on the individual. 
Yeah, but hey, what's really interesting is COVID has actually helped us in some ways in, it, in that it's helped people understand the role of the economy in their lives. And that conversation is actually a lot easier for us now. When, when you talk about the role of the economy in peacetime, it's an esoteric concept for many people. But now people truly understand the importance of job creation. They truly understand the role of a strong economy in their own well-being. And so it's actually an easier conversation to have now. And you're right. And also thinking about what does a resilient economy look like, a diversified economy, yeah. all those that concepts have become real now. For That's right. When you experience a big shock like this, it really wakes people up to bad things do happen and those bad things do impact people's well-being. So it's really, it has helped us in many ways. Mm. And you have a big, and I'm guessing pretty busy job alongside, I think you talked about having kids as well, and and I'm sure many things probably going on outside too. How do you find balance between work, your career and, and your broader life? Yeah, so I'm really fortunate to have an incredibly supportive husband who has played the primary caregiver role in recent years, although he's just recently returned to university. So we now are very much juggling drop-offs and lunches and getting kids to the right place at the right time. But as a family, we really love the lifestyle that we've got here in Canterbury. So we ski whenever we can. Uh, we go to, we live at the beach, so we are always walking on the beach or surfing or doing beach stuff. So that, that's where we find pleasure. I personally absolutely adore the Port Hills. I love the mountains. That's very much where I am spiritually happy. So just spending as much time in the mountains and at the beaches as we can is how we, how we relax. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I think, as we talked about before we started coming from, I'd spent a long time in London. And for me, coming back home to New Zealand and having that closeness to the sea, to the beach, but also to the hills, to the mountains, I think is a nice part of New Zealand. It is pretty cool. It is. We, we lived in the Middle East for a while and, and my son was born over there. And it was, this sounds so crazy, but one of the things that brought us home is that we wanted to mow, mow our own lawn and have our children grow up with grass under their feet. Mm. <laughs> We're not so enamoured with the mowing the lawn bit anymore, but we do walking on the grass. <laughs> yes, I can imagine that might have um, lost its appeal after yeah. the initial exactly. Yeah. After the first mow. And where do you see your career heading in the future? I look honestly I don't know and I know that people should have good answers for these questions I just want to continue to do good I want to continue to find pleasure in doing good and be where I'm most helpful I don't have enormous ambition other than to make sure that that I add value to the situation that I'm in I, I really love community and I love being able to help communities achieve good things for themselves so I'm really sorry, I don't have a great answer, but yeah, just adding adding value and benefit. Yeah, and I was interesting that you even felt the need to apologise or feel that you should have this you know, grand master plan of where you wanted to be in your career. Or of course, as you said, even at the start, your career to date has evolved into roles that are interesting and where you feel you could contribute and add value. I guess, why would the future be any different from that? Yeah, I think we put a lot of pressure on people to know what their master plan is, whereas we don't even know what the world's going to look like in 10, 15 years. That's exactly, yeah. I'm always really envious of those people who have really well formed up 10-year personal plans and so forth. I'm more of the make sure you're ready to seize the right opportunities as they arise and have the right mindset to take the opportunities because otherwise you, you block yourself from possibly seeing those opportunities. And what career advice would you have for other women? Really understand your values and 
make sure you pursue opportunities that enable you to realise those and that they're yours and not the expectations of others. And I think oftentimes we are encouraged as women to have a view that we can do, we can have it all. And that doesn't necessarily mean we have to. We, we should be doing things that bring us pleasure. Uh, you're not on the planet long. So do good and do things that make you happy because anything else is a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. Wonderful advice. Fantastic. <laughs> Joanna, thank you so much for sharing your career journey through from fascinating for me to hear that actually you, you were thought about the violin and being a music teacher from those early days to those the experiences and the value that you see in journalism and the media and then through to how you've carved yourself out a new and interesting career and an interesting role and in the city that I can hear very much that, that you're passionate about. So thank you very much for sharing that journey today. Thanks, Anna. Such a pleasure. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.